I think the fear of um, of being able to sit down and talk about the differences in faith and how they uh, their belief systems are different. It feels intimidating. It feels threatening sometimes. But if if we can. Uh, relax, not be afraid of those differences, but to learn from one another, it can enrich our personal journey. From First Community Church in Columbus, Ohio, this is Still Listening with Julie and Glenn Miles. This is Glenn and Julie Miles, and we're still listening. Our topic today, I guess I should let you say hello. Hello. Hi, Julie. Hi. Our topic today is fear and how it affects us in our everyday lives, how it affects our faith or our family, how it may affect even our church or our country, the way we encounter individuals on the street, the way we encounter our, our friends. Our fear can affect virtually everything in in our world. And so it's uh, it's I think it's a timely topic. There's a lot of fear in the world right now. And I think this is a good thing for us to to play with. I think so, too. What are your initial thoughts on fear, Mrs. Miles? Well, I'm thinking when um, you talked about that this morning, I thought of, um, you know, fear tends to be an emotion that everybody experiences at some time in their life. Um, And usually, if we uh, really look at fear, it can be debilitating. if you kind of take a moment and you think back at a time when you were afraid of something or someone, um, was your fear a, about a particular person or an event? And um, sometimes if we realize that our fear um, can be exaggerated, it can take over, our imaginations can go wild, and it creates um, uh, a more exaggerated experience not necessarily reality but i read somebody a couple weeks ago who said most of the things we're seriously afraid of never come true right you know if you're if you're on an airplane your chances of being in a serious uh accident on a plane are are incredibly small if you're in the ocean swimming around the chance of a shark attack (laughs) as much as i know you're afraid of sharks (laughs) still isn't going to happen um uh, and the same thing, and even, that's not to imply that it doesn't ever happen. Oh no, but, of course it does, right? But um, sometimes we exaggerate those. The the chance of well, and so then the question is, when do we need to pay attention to the fear? When is it something that is is more than just a, a over anxious uh, feeling? And when is it real? When does it matter? I, I remember a time in South Africa, our first trip to South Africa, um, several years ago. We'd spent most of our time out in these remote villages, um, working with some of the, the individuals in the churches there. Then we got into East London, much more of a metropolitan area. I wasn't even thinking. I looked left to make sure as I was about to cross the street um, and saw no traffic coming because it was coming from the right. Because right. yeah. they drive on the opposite side of the road there. And I went to step out into the road and probably was missed being hit by a car by about one inch if, or less. Um from that point forward during the rest of the trip, I always looked right and it was fear that was guiding that. Now that's not a bad thing for fear there to make sure that you're safe when you're crossing a busy street, especially in a foreign country that you're not familiar with. But a fear that makes it impossible to get on a plane or makes it impossible to move forward in a relationship. 
um, that is an irrational fear based on uh, an overanxious imagination is, is, a, is, like you said, the word debilitating. It mm-hmm. just debilitates. Right. Um, I mean, such things as meeting a complete stranger on a dark street or um, losing our accumulated wealth, um, hearing horrible news Hang about... Hang on just a second. We've accumulated wealth? <laughs> I think because we're Americans, that oh, tends okay, to be. I see. Yeah. You're talking about it in a more general sense. Yes, yes. Um, and also, um, you know, maybe just hearing a horrible diagnosis of a disease, and sometimes the fear keeps us from making decisions, good, sound, uh, informed decisions about what we need to do to face all of that. Um, I think sometimes. Um, we need to realize, take a step back, that we can't control any of the outcomes for any of those issues uh, that we might be facing with, faced with, um, but that the fear and the anxiety can overwhelm us to a point that we just, our fear is distorted. I think we, you identified a, a serious aspect of that and what you just said, and the, if we don't feel like we can control it, that's when the fear really rushes in, when it feels like, whether we're talking about politics in Washington, D.C., or politics in our neighborhood, or politics in our family, if, if it feels like things are out of control, that's when fear really seems to just to be and, exacerbated. And we do things that we wouldn't normally do. Right. We would say things that we wouldn't normally say. of an example of, of a time when fear caused you or, or, or me, you probably remember me better, uh, <laughs> caused one of us to behave in a way that really didn't make a whole lot of sense given the situation, but the fear had become so great it just uh, ramped everything up, our emotions? Well, um, I'm thinking about my children. A lot of times I would fear um, what they were getting into, you know, were they finding trouble, were they doing... and and. Those were not necessarily bad fears to have, but um, sometimes I was creating um, scenarios in my brain uh, about my kids that were so off base and were not anywhere near reality. And so it created some undue um, sleepless nights for me and also um, a, it strained our relationship. There's a certain boys. yeah oh yeah I, I I think there's a certain amount especially for parents in this in this generation and I'm including us in there uh, that was overprotective of our kids exactly. we don't yeah. I don't want little Stephen to strike out I don't want mm-hmm. Nate to to lose the match in karate and what would happen if they didn't and oh my gosh and you build up all this stuff because you I, don't want them to feel you don't the, want them to the feel the the defeat or, or the pain of the sorrow the sadness whatever whatever it is but it's my understanding that the research shows that that those are part those kinds of things are part of a healthy growing up right and that when one becomes 20 25 30 you've already learned how to deal with some disappointments that come as a natural part of life exactly uh, doesn't mean you're a bad person but if if you apply for a job and there's 18 other people apply for it and you don't get it well there's 17 people who now have an opportunity to try something new mm-hmm. as opposed to sit back and feel like oh i'm just i've not i've not achieved anything and so that fear actually gets in the way of development if we don't allow our kids to experience some kind of failure in the natural way uh, 
way at way at things, whether it's at school or sports or right. music, whatever it is. Now, how does it uh, fear affect faith? Have you seen, whether in the church or in your life or in the world, the way faith is affected by by fear itself? Is there something that you've ever encountered that um, was clearly driven by fear? I think the fear of um, of being able to sit down and talk about the differences in faith without immediately feeling threatened by that. Um, I think sometimes when we uh, discuss uh, <clears throat> our Muslim brothers and sisters or um, even, you know, just go Catholic to Protestant to any of the different faiths and how they uh, their belief systems are different, it feels intimidating, it feels threatening sometimes, but if if we can... Uh, relax, not be afraid of those differences, but to learn from one another, it can enrich our personal journey. Yeah, I saw a book last week that that I that I ordered. I haven't picked it up yet, and I, I'm going to not repeat the title exactly the way it is. But it was something to the effect of, "I'll like you more if you just be like me." Yeah, uh, which is which is because uh, that's you know that's easy. That's, that's a hilarious title, in, in that that's it's really true. It, you know, it, we um, I grew up thinking or being taught rather that Roman Catholics weren't real Christians, that that they were that the way they worshipped um, and the theological views that they held and so forth were all signs that not only were they not real Christians, but they were probably going to be sent to hell, <laughs> which is completely crazy, of course. But that was, I think that was a fear-based um, mm-hmm. uh, ideology that grew out of, out of the, well, as you've noted, the differences between Protestant evangelicalism that I grew up in and the Roman Catholic Church um, that we encountered, especially when we lived in Southern California. Uh, the Roman Catholic Church was very strong uh, in the communities that I, uh, we lived in, and so we ran into those folks all the time. I remember the day that I was ordained. My great-grandmother, Nellie Pearl Cress, gave me a card, and there was a $10 bill in it saying, congratulations on your ordination. She handed me a, a um, uh, guide for ministers on how to lead wedding services and memorials and funerals and that sort of thing. It was actually, I still have it. It's a sweet little book, and I, I appreciated her giving it to me. But the note that she wrote to me was, this is a quote, I'm afraid you've chosen a church that's going away from the gospel. <laughs> that sounds like Gigi. <laughs> that was Gigi, our, my great-grandmother, as we called her Gigi. Um, a lot of how she saw the world was through a lens of fear, and her fear was that I wasn't going to be the conservative evangelical pastor that she had hoped, but was going in a, in a more mainline uh, open and progressive kind of style. I don't want to get too much into all that, but it, I still remember that it was, I'm afraid that mm-hmm. you will be going like this. And, and the fear was you, that I would be something different or something other, or, or even really frankly, in her view, that I might be in danger of, of suffering some kind of punishment, uh, eternally if I 
went too far down that that direction. And I think churches are affected by that, not just theologically, but also also um, uh, congregationally. Uh, fear can fear of the unknown, fear of the future can cause us to uh, sort of hunker down and and guard against any kind of future thinking. Uh, when my good buddy uh, Jim Keck, who's out in uh, uh, Lincoln, Nebraska, likes to say, one of the things the church always needs to be doing constantly is both taking care of its church members, its current members and needs, and the next 500 people who are going to join in the next two or three years. And those 500 people could look totally different than the current membership. And we have no idea what they're going to look like or want or desire. So it's really, it's it's holding in tension both the current needs and the future needs. Because if you don't pay attention to the future needs, then there'll be no church in the future eventually. And that's that's part of the, um, frankly, that's one of the fears I have is how do I maintain that? How do I continue to work in a way that honors both of those needs at at all times? And if I get too afraid um, in that, then I get frozen. And I'm unable to lead in the way that I'm called to lead. So fear can really affect us in a in a in a host of things. Um, what what about in the country? Have you have you seen uh, fear at work in our country? And, and what has it? How has it shaped folks? Um, I think again, it's just hearing people say things that I would never think would come out of their mouth. Um, and and I'd say that about myself too that I catch myself every so often out of fear, out of feeling, out of control, um, saying things that I wouldn't normally say. Um, And I don't know, because it doesn't change the, the situation or the outcome, but it become, I just become defensive or um, just feel like I want to, make people understand what the real truth is rather than listening and um, trying to get a perspective. The key, people... What you just said, there's a key there, I think, and, and that's that that um, um, that willingness to listen, that willingness to pay attention to the other, to not jump to a conclusion, to not reach a point where your anger is ramped up so much you end up saying something that that harms the the relationship, and that's true whether we're talking about the United States, right? Or we're talking about the church. Family. We're talking about our family. We're talking about a relationship with each other. It, there has to be. Folks need to continue to still listen. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's probably a, a decent idea, um, and that really does bring down the fear. I mean, I, I was talking to someone the other day who was very afraid about something going on in their life, and and the longer we talked, and the more I listened, the more they were able to say to themselves, well, just oh, just nice. just hearing myself say this out loud and hearing your reply, it, I realize it's, fear isn't going to help. Mm. Uh, maybe that's part of it too. Fear, you know, again, if you're stepping out in front of traffic in, in South Africa and you look the wrong way, um, you better be afraid uh, in order to correct that. But in the long run, fear pulls us down and shuts off our ears, closes our minds, keeps us from being able to listen and, and hear the other. I suspect that's why um, uh, so oftentimes in the Bible, the first words of an angel um, uh, which angel comes from a, a word that means messenger. Uh, no one really knows for sure what exactly that looks like or feels like. And some people even in, in today's world would say an angel sometimes speaks to us in our dreams. However, God speaks to us. Oftentimes in the Bible, the way it happens 
the first words that are spoken are, do not be afraid. Do, do not be afraid. Yeah. Don't be afraid. Fear not, uh, the angel says on, on Christmas morning. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. Um, it's interesting that good news even can cause fear. Mm-hmm. Because it's unknown. And if we let our anxiety and apprehension about whatever the issue is um, take over, we don't make sound decisions. We don't make... Um, informed decisions about how to deal with our fear. Um, Like meeting a stranger in the street, you know, a dark alley or whatever, your immediate response is fear. Rather than just saying, you know, you can't control it, so let's So there's a difference between fear and caution. Being cautious isn't a bad thing. But letting fear um, control us then creates all kinds of the difficult Miss, scenarios. Yeah. I, I remember walking home once on a Sunday night from a youth group when I was at University Christian Church in San Diego. Remember, we lived on Maryland Street, I think mm-hmm. it was, less than a mile from the church. It was a beautiful Sunday evening. Uh, sun was beginning to set around 7.30, 8 o'clock or so. Youth group had gone great. And I looked behind me, and there were these three young Hispanic boys following me. And they were dressed in that typical style. Remember how they dressed in Southern California? Bandana around them. Bandana around their head. They would wear a Pendleton flannel shirt Mm -hmm. that was open with a white T-shirt underneath, big baggy pants. And and they were walking kind of fast. And they were kind of catching up to me. And I kept, I took, I started walking faster. And (laughs) I made the assumption that I'm about to get jumped. And these guys are going to beat me up and take my wallet. And this is going to be bad. And pretty soon, finally, one of them reaches me, touches me on the shoulder, says, Hey, are you Pastor Glenn? Yeah, yes. we, We wanted to go to youth group tonight but it was all locked up what time did it start i said oh um just a second um i need to start my heart and you know i I needed like a defibrillator to get my heart started again and then i said it starts at 5 30 well can we come to your youth group well of course you can what's your names they told me their names i said i'll see you next week and they say yeah we'll see you next week i heard it's fun what i thought were three kids getting ready to jump me based on my prejudice and my fear maybe even a little bit of racism mixed in there, mm-hmm. uh, was totally, completely wrong. They were actually excited that they'd found me because they were trying to go to church. Right. And, you know, the next Sunday when they came and sat down in the front row, at, uh, not only at youth group, but also then came to worship, it was kind of a cool thing. And a reminder to me of how easy it is to get sucked down into that into that hole uh, named fear that really traps us and, and captures us. Right, right. So what do you do? Um when you feel like fear is overwhelming you, how do you, how do you get over that? I, you know, I don't know that I'm successful at getting over fear, but um, what I've tried to make myself, um, anything that I'm facing that I feel like I'm a little out of control, I stop, take a deep breath and say, I cannot control this. This outcome is outside my I mean, I can't control the outcome of whatever this issue is. So then you can pause, take a breath, sit back, and look at the issue, and then start to create or start to think of creative things to do to deal with your own fear. Because the um, issue then can most likely resolve itself without... um, me trying to intervene. I think that's really good. I, I'm a preacher, so I think about the Bible. 
And I love what Paul wrote in a letter to the Romans, I think it's chapter 8, when he said, there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. And he goes through a whole long list, death, persecution, nothing at all in all of the world that can separate us from God's love. And that's... And if you can sit there... If you can just... just... And realize, at the end of whatever it is I'm facing right now, God's still going to love me. That's That's a pretty good place to be. Um, you know, there might be consequences, there might be difficult things to do or accomplish or move forward on, whatever it might be. But if I can tell myself at the end of whatever I'm facing right now, as, as fearful as I am in this moment, God will still love me tomorrow. Um, that's a that's a strong place to, to go. And, and to just be. Yeah. Maybe that's a good place for us to conclude our time. That sounds good to me. If you have a topic idea for our next podcast, please submit it to glenmiles.org or message the First Community Church Facebook page.